Brothers and sisters, God bless you. Hermanos and hermanas, Señor te bendiga. I'm sure you're wondering what, what that accent is, what South American country is, is that? I'm from the South American country of Alabama. So that's where that uh, accent comes from. Well, our senior pastor, Pastor Carl and Sister Alice, are uh, out of town tonight. They had an event that they had to go to. And so be praying for them that uh, they'll be able to travel safely and uh, get back safely. Amen. Well, it's good to see you uh, here tonight. We're going to continue our study tonight in the uh, book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is probably one of my favorite chapters or, or, or books of the Bible because it deals with wisdom. And we've all made mistakes. We've all come through these times where we've done something and we went, man, if I would have only known that, I would have done this instead of this. And there's a difference. What I want to explain to you about wisdom is there is a difference between knowledge, intelligence, and wisdom. You'll find that there are a lot of educated and even intelligent people that may not have wisdom. And um, you, if you watch your TV closely, you will begin to identify these folks. That's enough said. Uh, but I want you to join me in the, uh, the book of Proverbs, the 27th chapter. Actually, um, we're not going to read every single verse or deal with every single verse in the chapter tonight, but there's about four concepts that I want to address that we'll pull out of this chapter. Uh, one is boasting, and you've probably been exposed to a lot of that. Uh, another one is proper affection or, or warm affection, uh, uh, conducting yourself affectionately in a proper way. Hard work, which is one of my uh, favorite topics. And there's another topic that I'm going to address, uh, which deals with uh, the term is used, hell, and then there's destruction and how to look for that and, and, and uh, actually avoid that. And now, we, you've got to remember in, the, in Proverbs, this, this was Solomon and uh, has been explained before. He was raising up new leaders. And these were probably very sharp individuals. They were very intelligent. Uh, they probably had already been educated to a certain extent before they even got to him. And then he began to impart wisdom. But I will tell you this, that wisdom comes from God. Now sometimes and oftentimes he imparts wisdom through people speaking into your life. I know that my father spoke a lot of wisdom into my life and he reinforced wisdom in a very powerful way if I did not follow his instructions. And, but it embedded that wisdom in me. If you only could get wisdom Matter of fact, you, you'll see toward the end of the uh, book of Ecclesiastes that it even explains that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. In other words, respecting the Lord, honoring the Lord, you see, is the beginning of wisdom. So let's, let's take a look at chapter uh, 27, dealing with the first verse. And this has to do with boasting. The first verse says this, 
do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Your day can completely turn on just a phone call. Things can change in just a moment, and you don't know what that is. And so what he's warning people and what God is really warning us through Solomon and through his word is don't boast about tomorrow. And you'll find this in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, he's trying to uh, instill in these leaders to be careful about what you are doing. Now, there is a difference between uh, uh, planning and boasting of tomorrow. You should plan. Everybody should make plans and, and not avoid making plans, but not boasting of tomorrow. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Well, let me give you some uh, scripture. In Luke, uh, the 12th chapter, we're going to go there in just a moment, but there's, there is a tendency when someone reaches, and this is what Solomon's trying to explain to these young men, was there's a tendency when you reach a certain level of influence or power to begin to boast of what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to make uh, happen. And it's almost, you begin to sense that they are believing that because of their knowledge, their intelligence, their power, they can make things happen in the future. And that's what Scripture is warning us against. And I want to give you a good example that Jesus dealt with this also in the book of uh, Luke, the 12th chapter. Uh, starting with the 16th verse, he spake a parable. Now, this was a parable. And he said, a certain, uh, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I'm, I have no room to put all my fruits? In other words, I've been so prosperous. I've, I've found myself, now I'm rich. And he says, this is what I'll do. He begins to make a plan. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll, put down, I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater barns, and there I'll put all my fruits and all my goods. And, and then look what he says. And then I'll say to my soul, so you're rich, you got it made. He says, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, be merry, you see. But listen what God says to him. But God said unto him, um, you're a fool. This night, your soul is going to be required of you. Then whose will all these things be? Which you have provided. I think God was being a little snarky there, but he can do that. But read verse 21. And Jesus said, so is he that layeth up treasures for who? For himself and is not rich toward God. You see, there really wasn't anything wrong with his plan. There was nothing evil about that plan. What was evil was he heaped all that up to consume it upon himself. He did not have a spirit of generosity and he did not, he was not rich toward God, which meant he didn't even have a relationship with the Lord. You see? So all that intelligence, all that knowledge, all that planning, all that boasting can be wiped away in a moment. And that's what Jesus was trying to explain in that parable. James sums it up this way in James um, chapter 4. James sums up the whole issue of what we say and how our attitude toward what we're going to do. 
when we act oblivious to God's will. And this is how James put it. He says, now go, go now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and we'll continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain. Well, my understanding from this, this part uh, uh, during this time, there were certain cities that if you would come there, start a business, and have that business there for a year, they gave you a lot of uh, incentives, even tax breaks. There were some cities that would say, if you will come, and, and even in that time, taxes were prevalent, you know, uh, uh, so we still deal with that today. But what, what they would do is give them economic benefits if they would come and stay there for a year. So that's kind of the context of this. So they're sitting around, they're saying, hey, let's go to this city for a year and we'll buy and sell and, and conduct business. Verse 14 says, Whereas ye know not what tomorrow shall bring, for what is your life? It is even a vapor. Now that, that gets your attention. You see, some of these younger people, it really doesn't get your attention, but remember, it wasn't that long ago that I was the youngest guy around. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. I was the youngest guy around, and now I'm realizing I'm one of the older guys around. And it happened like that, you see. And so that's what he says. Your, your life is even as a vapor that appears for a time, and then you're gone. Then what will you say? If the Lord wills. You see, that's what Jesus, when he was teaching us the Lord's Prayer, Lord, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what James is trying to tell us, that you should say, if the Lord will, we will do this or do that. And now he says, now listen to what he says. He even reiterates this, and he says, but now you that rejoice in your boasting, all such rejoicing is evil. Okay? So this whole thing of boasting, uh, you, you need to be careful the words that come out of your mouth. Don't think that God created an ear and he can't hear, and he created an eye and he doesn't see. Well, let's go to verse, uh, that was just verse one. <laughs> I'm not going to go through every verse, so um, bring it down. Verse two kind of reinforces uh, verse one, though. It says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. There's a lot of people that are trying to elevate themselves. And usually you can spot them in a staff. You can spot them in a crowd. They're the ones that are, are pushing and shoving and trying to, to, to get a, ahead of everyone else by some kind of merit. Now, the warning is that you don't praise yourself or lift yourself up. You see, if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord... He will lift you up. So you kind of need to get away from this word, I. One of the greatest things that I, uh, <laughs> we got to get away from this, I got to get away from this word, I. One of us does, especially me. But what we like to hear is when someone has accomplished something and they say, oh, well, my staff, or I, I don't even mind them saying my administration, you see, because they are, what they're doing is they're deflecting and revealing that they understand that it's not them that has done this. Do you know that there are no self-made 
millionaires or in this time there's no self-made billionaires they didn't do that without a team that's what's so great about the kingdom of God it's a team there's no one person uh, that is accomplishing everything it can't be done there's no way that I can I can do my uh, job I could not do the job of all of my staff there, there's there's not enough hours in the day Now let's talk about, I would say, another concept here of um, proper affections. And, and, and some of these concepts come out of this chapter. And before I go there, let me premise it by saying this, that let's take, for example, men. Men are too often geared toward uh, achievement. They want a result, you see. If I go shopping, it's because... I am the hunter. I'm a man. I go in, I get what I need, and I get out. You see, it's not an experience for me. <laughs> it's an objective for me. So I'm looking to achieve and, and get a res result. Well, what that can do, because my wife, God bless her, is different she likes to enjoy the experience of shopping. Doesn't even have to know what she's going for necessarily, but it's just fun for her. And so now, now we've got a dichotomy, we've got an issue here because I just want to get in, get in and get out. Now if we're just going for something, I've learned that I can just drop her off at the door, I'll wait for you in the car, you see. And a time later, she will come out, and I will go and, 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 and pick her up. But the point that I'm making is that men are geared toward this achievement, results-oriented, and they're, they're often willing to sacrifice relationships, you see, or short-change relationships. Now, if I'm in the right mood and trying to be a good husband that day, I will actually go in and go shopping with my wife and tolerate it. And it will help our relationship. And so in this chapter, you'll read that he's dealing with men here and he's talking to them about there's, there's some relationships that you're going to re recognize, uh, but you need to work hard also. So what he's trying to strike is a balance in this chapter between a man working very hard, he should, but don't sacrifice your relationship to do that. And we've all heard of the stories of the, the man that will work so many hours and won't be home at all, and then his family, next thing you know, his kids don't even recognize him. They're teenagers, and they're like, well, you know, why are you telling me this? I haven't even seen you that much. So Solomon is telling these men, you've got, you've got to strike that balance there between your relationship and your achievement. And he points out in this chapter uh, one dysfunctional type of emotion that we can have. And that is jealousy. Jealousy tries to express itself as love when it actually distorts love. It saddles the person with this, think, this jealous person to misinterpret every word or every act of the loved one. 
For example, if a husband is very jealous and his wife comes home from work and she says, oh, I was talking to Tom today and we were talking, and that jealousy kicks in. Well, why are you talking to Tom? Well, we work together and he's my boss and I have to do what the, but the jealousy is kicking in, you see. So now she realizes he's jealous and now she has got to be careful about everything that she says because she's concerned about that reaction. And Solomon's trying to tell these, these leaders, don't let that jealous, that, that dysfunctional relationship get into your marriage or even into your, uh, into your life because then you're not going to get a straight answer from the people that you're dealing with, you see. And you're always going to be on edge about what, what is someone is doing wrong. And so that's totally dysfunctional. And he's trying to move them a, away from that. Now, here's another relationship um, concept that I think that all of us should embrace. And, and the, uh, I do have a tendency to believe the older you get, the more you'll embrace it. And that is, uh, we're going to skip down to Proverbs uh, 27, 5. Verse 5. We're going to skip a few verses. And it says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Now, no one likes to be reprimanded, and nobody likes to be rebuked. Um, reproof, confrontation, um, what Solomon says is, if someone in the right way will speak to you and point out something in your life, that is better than someone that loves you but is so timid that they don't want to even discuss anything because they're afraid that you may be jealous or you may be envious. Or, so they're just going to hide this from you and you don't become a better person. Um, I'll give you an example. I was a, a young man and I, I did uh, some foolish things and I made some foolish decisions. Um, most young men, until they're about 35, do make foolish decisions. And there's reasons for that. But uh, I was one of those, and I made a foolish business decision. Now, that affected, because I was, at that age, you're, you're a risk taker, you see. You want to achieve, so you're taking really big risk. And so this poor decision that I made uh, drastically affected the fine, my, person, my, my business finances and my personal finances, okay? Now, if my wife would have been so timid that she would not have pointed out this to me, um, I might not have had the uh, instruction that I needed. I had a rebuke from her that was total wisdom. She didn't come to me and say, how could you do this to us, to me, to the children, to you, to our family? How could you do this? She didn't say that in a nice way. She, she said this, you know, the decisions that you make affect all of us. And that was a rebuke. But it, it was in a way that I was like, Oh, my God, what am I doing? I can't take that kind of risk and risk the relationship with my wife and, 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 and my children and our financial stability. You see, that open rebuke 
was better than someone that was hiding it and would not, because I could have went, made another mistake just like that. Luke chapter 17 says, here's another relationship issue. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, if you have a brother, that's like us. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if you see your brother doing something wrong, it, you know, you don't have to rebuke him in a physical way, but you can rebuke him in a way that says, hey, I noticed that you were going down a path and doing some things and you know, maybe, maybe you should, you know, uh, let's pray about this or something to that effect. And he goes, you know what? This is the greatest thing that I ever hear a man say. You know, you're right. I was about, oh, I had to be over 40 years old before those kinds of words came out of my mouth. And what gives me gladness is that I have a son and occasionally he's trying to make a decision and I hear that his wife has input and those words come out of his mouth and he's not 40 years old yet. And he says, you know, you're, you're right. That may, it makes sense. Unfortunately, many times our, law, our love falls short of proper rebuke or even forgiveness. Proverbs, the sixth verse says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, Jesus even chided his disciples, or probably even wounded. Don't you remember when he told Peter, "Get behind me, Satan"? He, re, he that was a pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty strong rebuke when you're telling one of your top tier executives, "You're the devil. Get behind me." That's a pretty strong uh, rebuke, and. Peter loved him so much. Judas, on the other hand, there's no place in Scripture where I, I see that Peter uh, kissed the Lord. But did you know that Judas, who betrayed the Lord, kissed him? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen some of the mafia movies and you've heard of the kiss of death and, 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 and that kind of thing. But what he's trying to say is sometimes be careful because someone that you know is your enemy that all of a sudden wants to be your friend and get close to you. Um, now, if they're coming and asking for forgiveness, that's one thing. But if it's someone that you know that does not have your best interest and have demonstrated that, and all of a sudden they want to show you all of this affection, what Solomon is saying is just be careful with that, you see. Because the rebuke is often better than the kiss. Proverbs um, 27, verse 10. Here's another good one. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Nor go, listen to this, nor go to your brother's house, your brother's house, in the, and this means a, a, a kinship brother, a brother by the same mother. 
nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. So the basic question is, is how do you behave in the day of calamity? In other words, they're saying you should have your relationship with your friends that are nearby, that if something happens, you've got friends right there that you can turn to. Now, you should be a friend, and they should be able to turn to you. But for example, I have a brother that lives a long way away. And if there were, if I had a flat tire on 417, I'm not calling, <laughs> I'm not calling him. I'm probably going to call the tow truck. But, <laughs> and we would become friends, you see. But I would call somebody that I knew, hey, um, can you come over and, and help me? But um, in the day of calamity, when you have a friend that is close, and, and see what Solomon is saying? He doesn't even say the day of calamity is not going to come. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. You're leaders of Israel. You've got plenty of money. You've got influence. No, the day of calamity will come. Now let's talk about what I think is my favorite subject, and that is hard work. I have come up with a little saying of my own that the doors of opportunity swing on hinges of hard work. Some people say, well, the harder you work, the luckier you get, some of these things. And that's what Solomon is, is trying to instill uh, in these leaders is a good, strong work ethic. And Christians should have that work ethic. A matter of fact, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, you will see that God said, let us make man in his, our own image. He put him in the garden. And before the fall, before man sinned, what did he, God tell him? To go and tend the garden and to go and multiply. Before, the sin, before sin, this was what God told Adam to do. Go to work, get married, and have kids. That's what he said. But the first thing is, you better go to work. Because you don't go to work, you're probably not going to have a wife, and you won't be able to feed your kids. So even before the fall, God was telling man to go to work. Gave him dominion. Now, once man did sin, things became a little more difficult. But the concept of work didn't change. Um, for example, um, let's go to Proverbs verses 23 through 27. Because when you're dealing with work, what you are doing is God has given you the ability to gain wealth. He's given you the ability to provide for your family. And it, is a, it takes constant attention. Now, I'm going to read it from the biblical standpoint that they were dealing with the economic type of system that they were in at that time, and then we will bring it into current time and talk of it from uh, that perspective. Proverbs 23rd verse he says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever. Nor does a crown, which is, really is riches, endure to all generations. When the hay is removed, tender grass shows itself, and herbs of the mountain are gathered in. The lambs will provide for your clothing and goats the price of the field. You should have enough 
you shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, the nourishment of your uh, handmaidens. So this is a person who is a landowner. That's the economic system that they were in. But now, as someone who is working, you have a job. You have a home to tend to. You have cars that you have to care for. There's maintenance in all of these things. You know, you've, you, you don't want to be uh, slothful. Was that not a great message that Pastor Carl had about? You know, so you, you, you need to keep your grass cut. You need to keep your house painted. Um, you need to, to, to take care of the things that God has entrusted. You need to change the oil in your, in your car. You, you need to make sure that you're working and that you're paying your bills uh, on time. So that's what Solomon's saying is, hey, there's management with this. You need to work hard and manage the resources that God has, has given you, you see. And going back to calamity now, you, you don't know this, this boasting, this calamity, and being, being hardworking and using wisdom. And I compared wisdom uh, when we began with this with um, intelligence and knowledge. You see, if you were very intelligent and you were very knowledgeable, you may want to start a restaurant. It's very, that's a complicated business. It's high risk. Uh, but the reward can be very well. It can, can be very good. And you could have put up all of your restaurant running skill, cooking skill, knowledge, uh, all of this into a, a, a restaurant and decided, you know what? My start date for this restaurant is in 2020, January 2020, and I'm going to start my restaurant. And it for sure, you know, this is my chance to be successful. And things, you start January 1st, you open up, you got the great restaurant, uh, you're doing everything that you, you know to do, and things are going well, and you get into February, and then COVID-19. And somebody knocks on your door and says, you need to lock this door. No one's coming in. Now, a wise man looks for these types of things and says, you know what? And I've, I've seen, not just in this, but I've seen people in business that, you know what? I can lose my business, but that's really not going to affect my household I've got income from this other source. I didn't just invest all in lambs. I got goats too. So now my, my restaurant that I serve lamb in is not working, okay? So I'm going to go to selling milk from my goats. You see, that's wisdom, you see. So there is a difference between knowledge, intelligence, and wisdom. Now let's talk about a, another concept that comes out of this chapter. And that is hell. And destruction. And Solomon is warning these future leaders of what could happen. Read with me verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full. Hell is never full. There's no one standing at the gates of hell and saying, oh, I'm sorry, we're full. You, 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 you can't come in here. Another thing that's never full, like fire. Fire, as long as you're throwing wood, you can sit there for, from now on, and that fire will never stop. It'll just continue to consume. It's never full. Hell is never full. And look at the next phrase. 
So is the eyes of man are never satisfied. They're never satisfied. The guy with the 50-foot boat and his friends that have 50-foot boats, do you know what they're standing around talking about? The guys that have 100-foot boats and dreaming of the day that they have a 100-foot boat. And the guys who have a 100-foot boat are all standing around with their friends that have a 100-foot boat, and they're all dreaming of the day that they have a 200-foot boat. You see, their eyes are never satisfied. They're consuming. They're totally distracted. And that's what Solomon is trying to say. Don't get distracted. How many of uh, New Yorkers that we have here that went, yeah, into Times Square before all the COVID thing? I've been there. I'm like totally overwhelmed. My eyes are not satisfied. I'm seeing all of these screens and I'm just, it's, I'm, I'm just totally distracted. I can even get so distracted, I don't even, I got to almost hold my wife's hand because we're just in the crowd and we would just, people are going through their life like that. And there's probably a lot of you that feel like, geez, I, I'm so, so distracted by everything. I see the, the TV and I see things that I want. I see things that I desire and I, I see things that I'd really be willing to go into debt and sell myself into slavery for. Because that's what debt is. Now, there's a great way to avoid all of that destruction and all of that calamity. And that's what tri Solomon is refocusing all of these leaders on, and that is use wisdom. The beginning of, the, of wisdom the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of the Lord. Now, I know on a Wednesday night that most of you probably already know the Lord, but there's one more scripture, and it's not in Proverbs, that I want to re read to you because I believe that there's somebody here that God wants to speak to through this verse. I was reading it this week when I was preparing and going through some of these notes, and it was this, Isaiah 49, 15. And this is wisdom to you. This is what God said, can a woman forget her nursing child? How many of you have ever had a baby or your wife has had a baby and the mother, it's newborn and that mother's total focus of her life, every waking and sleeping moment, which she's not getting any, is totally about nursing that baby, caring for that baby, her 100% attention is on taking care of that baby and that's what God says. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? And this is what God says. They may forget, but I'm not going to forget you. I'll never forget you. That's the intimacy that the wisdom of God is speaking to you tonight. God wants to have a relationship with you. Another place in Isaiah says these terms. Come, the Lord says, come, let us reason together. You know what that means? God is saying, just come talk to me. Just come and talk to me. Have a conversation. You don't think that I care for you like that mother cares for that baby? Let's all close our eyes and go to the Lord in prayer. As they're playing softly. There's somebody here tonight, and you've been thinking, where is God? I'm going through this COVID. I'm going through this. I'm going through. Where is God? I, I, 
I think God's forgot me. Does God even know that I'm here? Does God realize what I'm going through? Well, the Lord is saying to you, a nursing mother will forget her baby before I'll forget you. That's how much I care and I love for you. So if everybody would bow your head and close your eyes, if maybe your relationship with the Lord is not where it should be, maybe you felt like God has forgotten you or, or misplaced you or set you aside or put you on the shelf, if that's you, I want to pray with you tonight just for a moment. So if that's you, would you just very quickly just slip up your hand so I can see who I'm going to be praying with. I see, yes, yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there a, yes, I see that. Anybody else? Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else that would say, you know what? I, yes, I see you. I, I feel like God has forgotten me. I, I know that God is, loves me and cares about me, uh, but I just feel like he's, he's not there. He's not close. Well, the word of the Lord to you is that he is close. He's not forgotten you. The word of the Lord is to you is that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you'll find that God is always faithful. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to all stand to your feet. And Pastor uh, John is going to lead us in a course. And when he does, if that's you and you raised your hand and you feel like, you know what? I need someone to pray with me. I want somebody to pray with me. I know that just coming down here, if you would just step out when we begin to sing, if everybody would just stand. And when Pastor John begins to sing in just a moment, as he sings this course, I want you to just come to the front and just talk. Someone will come down and meet with you and pray with you. But what the Lord is saying is, come, let us, let us reason together. Just, just come and talk to me and we'll work this thing out together. I care for you. I haven't forgotten you. Amen. So, Pastor John, if you would sing, uh, sing a chorus, as everyone stands, and if that's you, there's some altar workers here that want to pray with you. So, if you would, just step out. No one's going to think anything about it. Why don't you just step out and come down for prayer? God, in the name of Jesus. Tomorrow. Now's an opportunity. Go ahead and step out and come down and have someone pray with you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask Pastor John to dismiss us in prayer, but if you're here and you want to take communion, Pastor Wayne will be here to serve you communion. If you decide as people are leaving that, you know what, maybe I do need to go down there and have someone pray for me, we're going to be here for you. So we invite you, please come. We look forward to seeing you again Sunday. Pastor John, if you would dismiss us in prayer. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you for your voice that's spoken to our hearts by your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for how you've uh, just just 
ministered wisdom and, and, and love to our hearts through your word tonight. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word rings true, that you have not forgotten us, Lord God, and that we're still in your tender love and care. I thank you, Lord, that those that are reaching out to you even right now, Lord God, here at these altars uh, over our broadcast, Lord, I thank you that your love is surrounding them, God. I thank you that they're encountering your presence even right now. And I pray, Lord God, that when we leave this time together, God, that when these brothers and sisters of ours, Lord God, leave from these altars and leave from this moment, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that they wouldn't leave the same, but that they leave encouraged, that they leave strengthened, Lord God. They leave knowing that you've got them in the palm of your hand, Father. Thank you for saving and for delivering and for turning situations around, Lord God by your glorious power and your great love. And Father, as we all go from this time together, let us not go from your presence, but God, keep us, help us, lead us, continue to speak wisdom into our hearts, Lord God. Remind us of all things as your Holy Spirit does, Lord God, and help us, Lord, to walk with the victory that you've given us. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Pastor Wayne is here to serve communion to anyone who'd like to take communion. Our altars are still open to anyone that would like to be prayed for. And if you're watching online tonight and you'd like for someone to pray with you, why don't you call the number that's coming up on your screen right now? We've got some staff and some ministers that are here to pray with you and your family. God bless you, and we hope to see you again very soon. Take care.